You're listening to Choose Podcast. Season 1, Drive. Episode 5, Go Home. Previously on Choose. I could go home. Maybe I missed a major event on the news. You take another look around the garage before turning the key in the ignition. As you pull out onto the empty road, you keep a keen lookout for anyone or anything. Along every street you take, there are cars parked and businesses with lights on, but you don't see any people, faceless or otherwise. You roll down the window and shout a few times, but the sound comes back to you void. In fact, you stop at an intersection and take a listen carefully. You realize there's hardly any sound at all. It's as if the normal city sounds are there, but in a separate plane of existence than the one you're on. This is beyond bizarre. You come to the intersection that leads to your neighborhood and immediately look toward the park. Like everywhere else, there are no people and no other signs of life. Maybe they've all gone in for the day. Or all gone to work. Or completely vanished off the face of the earth. You feel yourself getting anxious again and quickly burn through the intersection and navigate to your street. As you get home, you stare in disbelief as the rows are still doing yard work. Mr. Rowe is still riding the mower on the left side of the yard as Mrs. Rowe rakes the right. They don't have a ranch. It's not that much yard to cut. What are they still doing? Your standard morning commute is around half an hour. If time were normal, a turnaround trip would be almost twice that. You look at the clock on the dashboard. It reads an impossible 7.30. You whip into your driveway, bound out of the car, and gawk at the rows. For the briefest of moments, Mrs. Rowe looks jarred, but regains herself and smiles. How is she so calm? Is she not affected by this crazy? Do they even know? Incredulous, you march across the street to Mrs. Rowe. Her smile doesn't falter, nor does she move as you approach. You forget something, dear? Or do you need something? Yes, you sigh, stepping onto the sidewalk. I need help. I need answers. I need to know I'm not completely nuts. I'll help if I can, dear. What's the matter? Well, I got up this morning and my alarm clock was broken. Not only did the alarm not go off, it was going backwards. Actually, all the clocks are going backwards. Every clock I see. But I'm clearly going forward, right? And you are too. So I don't understand that. Then I drove to work. And the very full office turned completely deserted in less than ten minutes, Mrs. Rowe. Wait, not completely deserted. There was the creep at the elevator that had no face. And I haven't seen or heard another solitary soul since. Until you, Mrs. Rowe, and Mr. Rowe. You two who haven't seemed to have moved at all since I left the house. So I am desperate, Mrs. Rowe. I need to know what the hell is going on. You end your tirade and stare at Mrs. Rowe. I don't know that I can help with all of that, dear. Hyun and I have just been here. Everything is perfectly fine. She replies, visibly stiffening. 
I know. You've been working on your yard for over an hour. But it couldn't have been that long because according to the crazy clock in my crazy car, I've only been gone 15 minutes. Mrs. Rowe exhales sharply and shoots a glance at Mr. Rowe. The mower stationary pointed at the gate to their backyard. His back is to you, but something is off about his slightly bent posture. You seem unwell. Maybe instead of work, you go for a drive. It is spring. Flowers are in bloom all over the city. You should see the clock tower at the city center. The flowers are especially beautiful there. She speaks warmly, but her posture remains stiff. I am unwell, Mrs. Rowe, but I don't think a drive will help. Her tone suddenly turns deliberate. Take the drive. You're a bit stunned by the force in her tone. She looks again at Mr. Rowe, who's risen from the mower and stands staring at the fence, stooping to the left and unmoving. You follow her look. Is he okay? She answers without looking at you. There's an edge to the cheer in her voice. Hyun needs to get into the back. You should go for that drive. Take advantage of the daylight. She quickly takes up her rake and goes to the other side of the yard. When she gets to her husband, she touches his shoulder and speaks close to his face, blocking your view of him. You feel uncomfortable. Your exchange with Mrs. Rowe hasn't answered any questions at all. You want to ask her more, but you suddenly don't like the idea of being near the Rose, or even outside at the moment. And I really don't want to go anywhere, especially not knowing what the hell is going on. Instead, you quickly make your way back across the street to your own house. You unlock the door and enter the den. From where you stand, you have a clear view of the clock on the microwave that reads 729. You grunt in frustration, then stop to think. You slam the door and rush back to your bedroom and pick up the unplugged alarm clock from the bed. You hold it out in front of you like a bomb as you take it back to the kitchen. You sit it gingerly on top of the microwave and plug it in. It lights up and you take a step back in awe. Instead of reading the standard 12 of an unset clock, the alarm clock matches the time on the microwave, 7.29. A second later, both clocks tick back one minute. All the clocks have the same time or the same amount of time. What if this is actually a countdown? But a countdown to what? You can't imagine, but the idea sends a clawing chill down your back. It occurs to you that if this is happening to all your clocks, it's probably happening to every clock. This would have to be national news. You take one last look at the clocks and move back to the den. The remote is on the end table and you scoop it up, pointing it at your TV. It blinks on slowly, black at first, then displaying the brand screen. When that fades away, the first channel is only static. You don't remember what you may have watched last on TV, but you can't even think of a station that would show static during the day. You go to the next channel up. It's static as well. You flip through a few more. They're all the same. Concern creeps into your belly. Okay, maybe something major did happen. It's knocked out all of the cable signals. You go through the channels faster to confirm your fear, but you pass one that has something other than static. Quickly, you go back down through the channels, looking for what you missed. You go back through quite a few before you see it. On a staticky, glitching background is a digital readout of 728. 
The numbers burn in a vicious red against the snowy gray background. Hesitantly, you look back at the clocks in the kitchen. The microwave, alarm clock, and TV all display the same exact minute. You turn back to the TV, fighting the dread growing inside you, and continue to flip through the channels, first forward through the numbers, then backwards through them again. Now, every station you change to displays the same angry red numbers. You drop the remote on the couch and turn away. You know there isn't anything left for you to see on the TV. So, what now? You logic your way to a conclusion. You know there's something wrong with every clock everywhere. There's no news, not even an emergency message. But the same time is being broadcast to everything. Maybe it's local, maybe... Maybe. You think back to Mrs. Rowe's insistence that you take a drive, specifically to the city center. Or was she trying to get me to see the clock itself? You gasp at the realization and search for your keys. You find them in the bowl next to the door and hurry back out to your car. As you exit the house, you notice the rows are nowhere in sight. Damn, even if I wanted to ask her more questions, she's gone. You get into the car and put the key in ignition when you see movement out the corner of your eye. You look to the right and see all three of your neighbors on that side emerging from their houses at the exact same moment. But they aren't quite your neighbors. They are the height, shape, and shades of your neighbors, except for the deep, dark void where their faces once were. You slowly look to the left. On the other side, all of your neighbors have also come to their porches, pointing their featureless heads in your direction. Then, in unison, they move towards you. You turn on the car and slam it in reverse. As the car picks up speed, so do the faceless monsters. As you straighten out on the street, you hear a slam on the back of the car. You look back and see one half of the elderly couple that lived next to the rose has slammed her hands on the trunk. A single, loose roller hangs in front of the boy that should be her forehead as she leans forward to climb onto the car. You turn around as the rest of the neighborhood continues to close in. You don't want to kill anyone, but you floor the accelerator, narrowly avoiding the man you are same age from the corner and a middle-aged man in a short robe. You weave dangerously down the street to an open space before looking in the rearview mirror. The mob of faceless creatures continues to run at you but can't keep up to the speed of your car. As you turn right to exit the neighborhood, you even notice the tall man and the woman in the pink suit from your office are in the crowd. Now even home isn't safe? I've got to get to that clock tower. With no place else to go, you venture into the city toward the only clue you have. The Illusion of Choice. Continue your story in Episode 6. Choose Podcast is written and produced by Kits Knight. Music and sounds provided by Joseph McDade, Purple Planet, and Royalty Free Sources. Links to it all can be found in the episode notes. Transcripts and episode list are available at ChoosePodcast.com. If you're enjoying Choose, please consider supporting us on Patreon 
by following us on Facebook, Tumblr, and Twitter, rating and reviewing us on iTunes, and most of all, sharing the journey with your friends. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, there's always a choice.